SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive science knowledge showcase. I'm your host, Hank Green, and joining me this week, as always, is science expert, Sari Riley. Hello. And our resident everyman, Sam Schultz. We just got a little preview of Sam's dream that he had last night, in which (laughs) I invited him to a party so that I could murder him with, uh, with my rich friends. And eat me. Oh, and eat you. Well, that's how we that's how we stay young by drinking the blood of thirty three year olds. I think I'm thirty four actually. I'm past my expiration <laughs> date. <laughs> you're you're safe now. Yeah. It's finally happened. <laughs> What's the last nightmare you had, Hank? I don't know if I'm going to call this a nightmare, Sam, but this was a stressful dream that I recently had, where I um I had to leave Oren in the car. Oh, and then I kept getting distracted, and I kept being like, "No, my child is in the car. I need to go." People kept like getting in my way. <sighs> Because I was like, I'm just going to run in and come back right out. No, and then like, no. I, like people kept like bugging me. And I was like, no. I have, and I like woke up and I was like, I have to go get Oren out of the car. That's interesting. Look, it's hard to be a parent and you're all often very, very tired. And so this is like a thing that you have to think about all the time is like, did I leave my child somewhere? And sometimes he will vanish uh-huh. in the house. 
But I'll be like, did he go out? Because he can go outside on his own now. Yeah. Like, even though we don't want him to, he'll just like wander out. <laughs> <laughs> can he reach the doorknobs and turn them? Yeah, he just turns the, he just walks out of the That's house. not allowed. Sometimes he will walk, in fact, sometimes during the podcast, he will walk out to my backyard studio and open the door and be like, dad. And I'm like, I, this, no, man, <laughs> I'm the, I am making content right Someday now. Someday you'll be a podcaster, but for now, leave it to dad. Yeah. How have your dreams been lately, Sari? Oh, I don't really remember my dreams. I generally have stressful dreams and I wake up in the middle of the night quite often, but I forget them promptly because they didn't make no sense unless I commit them to memory. But usually if something funny happens that I want to tell Sylvia, I'll try and remember it. And so uh-huh. last night in one of my dreams, she came up to me asking for a graham cracker in that <laughs> voice. And I was like, I got to remember this. And I woke up and I just repeated to myself, graham cracker. Graham cracker. <laughs> so that I could tell her uh, as soon as she woke up and That's was ready to have a conversation. Every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts while also trying to stay on topic. Our panelists are playing for Glory and for Hank Bucks, which I will be awarding as we play. And at the end of the episode, one of them will be crowned the winner. Now, as always, we're going to introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem, this week from Sam. Webster's Dictionary defines cell as a mass of protoplasm with membranes and organelles. And that, to me, is all good and well till you get to the part where they can function by themselves. And then my brain Mm. begins to dwell on the fact that bodies are full of little guys we can't compel. So am I a collection of little goo elves? Or is my brain a guest in a big blood-filled hotel? All I intake and expel are handled by a staff of dedicated personnel. And my role in this gooey shell is to think of other stuff while around my body they propel. So am I me or am I my cells? Neither or both? Does it matter? Oh, well, that's just how it is till they sound my death knell. Oh, that's very good. You're saving that one for the end. You put your finger on the weird thing about cells, which is that we are made out of these individual units of life, according to the normal rules of evolution, should duplicate themselves infinitely and grow and grow and grow, um, not sustain a body that of other cells that are different from them, that's not the way that it should go. And when that does happen, when evolution does take back over, that's cancer. Yeah. And But the regular part where like all these cells work together to make a guy who wants a hot dog, like that's not it's normal. It's so freaky. That's very strange. Sari, what are cells? Well, I'm going to try something <laughs> different and start with the etymology because Ooh. Oh, okay. I thought this is interesting. So- Cell, the word, comes from Latin cella, which means small room or a storeroom or a hut. And it's related to the Latin celere, which means to hide or conceal. So like a place where you store your stuff. And that's a cell. I do store my stuff in cells. Yeah, all of the stuff that is you, all stored away. Mm-hmm. And like that is every meaning of cell. So like the cells in your body, you store stuff in yeah. them. Or like prison cells where you store people. Or electrochemical (laughs) cells where you store energy or one of the small squares in your spreadsheet as a cell or a cell phone. (laughs) Wait, a cell phone isn't a cell? Cell phone comes from, from what I was reading, unless the internet lied to me, which it's possible, 
like cellular networks were because the wireless towers divided up the land into areas oh, called cells that yeah. had cell reception. You Within the cell, you had cell reception. Outside of the cell, you didn't. And so then that's where the word cell phone came from is also in like yeah. a little room. But the room is outdoors and big and, and invisible. It's it d- defined by the, the reach of uh, some radio waves. Yep, yep, yep. The reach of radio yep. waves is like a cell. And so all of that, to say in biology we just use the word for a little small room in Mm -hmm. for our purposes for biological purposes and the 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 textbook definition kind of like sam said in his poem is the smallest unit of thing that can live on its own and it makes up all living organisms and also like can take lots of different shapes generally the components are like a cell membrane, so something, a wall for the little room, <laughs> and then stuff mm-hmm. inside the little room, like cytoplasm. Right. If, if it's got a wall and it's got stuff inside, as a cell. I think there's a certain amount of, we want to rule it, like take some things and have them not be cells. You don't want virus particles to be cells. So you try, you start to like really refine your definition to exclude virus particles. But that doesn't matter to average people. <laughs> You're listening to SciShow Tangents. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be thinking to yourself, but you would define cell in a way that included virus particles. I'm going to write to the authorities. Why wouldn't you define it in a way that included virus particles? Because they're not cells. What are they? I don't know. Capsids? Capsids. Oh, right. I've heard yeah, that Yeah, they're like a, like a little protein box okay. that stores stuff inside rather than having a cell membrane. Mm-hmm. So... Cell membranes are also made of proteins, but the ones that encapsulate viruses are different. They're not as like, they're not like a phospholipid bilayer. That's the thing you learn in AP bio where it's like hydrophilic on the outside, hydrophobic on the inside, and then you need special channels to pass through. Mm -hmm. With viruses, it's just sort of like, to my understanding, just like a little container that, that carries them around, but it's not as easily penetratable like the way that they get or at least bacteriophages get their dna or get their rna into other cells is through like injection they don't like fuse with other cells or anything like that they're the cells wario is that right (laughs) sure yeah okay yeah maybe (laughs) if you turn a cell upside down that's a virus great I think they're more like waluigi because they came out of nowhere and like are this mysterious entity that just mm. showed up one day and people were like, oh, okay. okay, you're here now. I can get behind this. Wait, now I'm confused about the lore of Waluigi and Wario. Yes. Okay, so Waluigi came out of nowhere. So did Wario. So did Mario. Everything but, comes out of nowhere. Okay, maybe I can't answer that. <laughs> Mario and Luigi are canonically brothers. Wario yeah. and Waluigi are not brothers. Waluigi oh. just showed up one day yeah. to play Mario tennis with everyone. Yeah. And they were like, hey, what's your name? And he was like, uh, what's your name? And then he said, Luigi. And he was like, I'm Waluigi. Yeah. That's actually the best explanation I've ever heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> Hank, well, you should write the Mario movie. Or just fanfic. Or that. I'd read it. You'd read my Wario fanfic? Absolutely. I promise that it will be only mildly violent and not at all any in any other way objectionable but there is going to be a fist fight oh okay mm. that's really mildly violent yeah i was hoping for some blood and spilling there may be a little like a bloody nose they got okay, big good. noses they do good for <laughs> bopping them <laughs> okay and that means that it must be time for the quiz portion of our show this week we're going to be playing this or that 
Are you guys ready for an episode of This or That in our episode of SciShow Tangents? Sure. Yeah. It's a sub-episode? It's a sub-episode. Well, hello and welcome, everyone, to This <laughs> or That. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why we don't always do it that way. So cells can have a lot of different properties to characterize them. You've got your size. In general, it's easy to think of most cells as just small. But of course, cells can come in a really wide range of sizes. In our bodies, cells can range from the size of lymphocytes that are around seven micrometers in diameter to neurons that can reach about a meter in length by the time you get to their axon. Different cells have different lifestyles, which means that they have different sizes to help them do their lifestyle. So today's episode of This or That, Cell Size Edition. I'm going to be naming two cells, and it's up to you to decide which one is bigger. So you have to choose okay. the bigger cell. Okay. All right. Comparison number one. This is the bacteria edition. Which of the following is larger? The volume of Thiomargarita nabambiensis, a bacteria that lives in marine sediments, or the volume of Epilopischium, a bacteria that is symbiotic and they live inside of the intestines of marine sturgeon fish. So we got a margarita or piss. Yeah, margarita or piss. You could say margarita or piss. (laughs) (laughs) Because you know so much about these two different things. What's the first one do? Just lives in the ocean? It lives in marine sediments. I'm going to guess the margarita one because I feel like sediments, you have a lot more size variation. If you're in an intestine, you got to be pretty small. Oh, shoot. I don't know. There's no re- rhyme or reason to this. but That feels like extremely sound reasoning to me, so I'm just going to go with the same one you did. Oh. That's good call for both of you. The answer is Margarita Man. So Epilopischium, <laughs> uh, they live inside sturgeon fish. They're large by bacterial standards at about 0.2 microliters of volume, still smaller than the Thiomargarita, which is one of the largest known bacteria. It was discovered in the sediments of off the Namibian coast, and it's been nicknamed the Sulfur Pearl of Namibia. Its total volume is 22 microliters, which is around eight times larger than E. coli. And it gets its size because it has storage compartments with soluble electron donors and acceptors that allow it to store nutrients. And that trait is important for surviving in marine sediments where nutrients are not always available. Now, Comparison number two, which is larger, the red blood cell of the Amphiuma salamander or the red blood cell of a cow? Mm. Do you Are you going to go with a salamander or a cow? Do you want me to go first, Sam? I suppose I could go first. I'm just wondering if like more blood means you have bigger or more blood means you have smaller or if there's any kind of correlation at all there. I, I think in general, the organism size doesn't matter a lot. Like it's not mm-hmm. going to be orders of magnitude bigger or smaller it's usually like the volume of blood that is more or less um Uh and so my thought is because the salamander is amphibious i think like they need water and land Uh their blood cells might need to hold more oxygen than a cow which is just kind of like hanging out eating grass Mm -hmm. so just because it feels like the red blood cells would be weirder for some reason, then I would guess salamander. I'm going to guess salamander. 
Hmm. That sounds like extremely sound reasoning to me. So I'm going to pick exactly the same one that you just picked. <laughs> well, I mean, Sam may have hit on a new strategy for this episode uh, and future episodes because the answer is the Amphioma salamander red blood cells. Hell yeah. The diameter of a cow red blood cell is about 5.83 micrometers. In comparison, the dimensions of the Amphioma salamander's cells, which are elliptical, is 66 micrometers by 37 micrometers. So... 66 across 37 high, I guess. I'm not entirely clear on this. Mammalian blood cells are unique among vertebrate cells in that they do not have certain structures like organelles. Uh, and this difference, see, this is the thing. You both did not get the right answer, which is that mammals, red blood cells lack nuclei, which is uh. a basic thing. That's one of the things about mammals that's so weird. So uh, we, we reject our nuclei and our red blood cells. The difference makes it possible uh, for the cells to go through smaller blood vessels and hold more gas-capturing proteins. The presence of a nucleus in other vertebrate red blood cells makes them elliptical in shape, and they need to package and hold onto their DNA uh, so those nuclei add to the overall size of the cell. So we just have little red blood cells so we can deliver more oxygen. So you were basically entirely wrong about why you were right. Well... Yep. (laughs) I was going to be like, I'm like a basically a cell biologist and that's why I'm getting these right. But no, I just lucked my way into it like everything else. All right. This is our last one. Is Sam going to pick whatever Sari says again? Which of the following is larger? The diameter of an egg produced by the African clawed frog or the length of a sperm produced by a fruit fly? Both of these things are one cell. Which of them is longer? What is it? The size of an egg? The diameter the size, of an egg? The size of the egg, yeah. Oh, okay. So if you like laid a sperm next to an egg, which one would be longer? Yeah. Aren't there like weird bugs that make like twice as long sperms as they are or something? Is that a thing? Yeah. There are super long sperm out there. There, <laughs> I guess I should be tricking you. I don't know. I've I've decided to collaborate this episode. Yeah, we're friends today. Uh-huh. In December, Sari and I are friends. All yeah. the rest okay. of the months, we can be enemies. All right, but I'm still gonna make you go first, Sam. Okay, I was gonna say I'll just lock in the sperm. You know, mm. <laughs> Sam's locked in on sperm. I'm also gonna lock in on sperm. I feel like this fruit fry is probably one of the weird ones. You're copying me. Yeah, I'm now I'm copying copier. you. <laughs> well, the egg of the African clawed frog uh, ranges from around one to 1.3 millimeters. This is a big size, but also much smaller than the sperm of a fruit fly, which can reach up to six centimeters in length, which is about 20 times the length of its body <laughs> and a thousand times bigger than a human sperm. Why don't we see them lying around? <laughs> <laughs> They're long, but very, very thin and small. Prior to uh, reproduction times, the sperm is coiled up like a ball of string. After ejaculation, the sperm gets straightened out in the female's very long seminal receptacle and stored there until she is ready to have her eggs fertilized. And longer sperm stores better in the female fruit fly's seminal receptacles, so there's pressure for them to get longer and longer, I guess. There has to be a limit at which it's like, that's actually too much. I also love the way you said sperm. Sperm. Sperms. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I was born. There are certain ways I was born. I can't touch my toes. I I have this face and I say sperm. Sperm. <laughs> well, congratulations, you two. You both got the maximum number of points you could have. Next, Hooray. we're going to take a, a short break, and then it will be time for the fact off. <laughs> 
SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as (laughs) the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the 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 part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, <laughs> yeah. Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know, I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my basement of my own home that I was renting, but downstairs of. If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Welcome back. It is time for the Fact Off. Uh, Sam and Sari have brought science facts to present to me in an attempt to blow my mind. And after they have presented their facts, I'm going to judge which one would make a better TikTok and award some points to that one. I might also award points to the other one, too. It depends on how I feel. Hmm. But to decide who goes first, 
Here's a trivia question. Adult humans are made of about 37 trillion cells and about 30,000 genes. That includes 200 to 500 major cell types that have been defined so far, and it's not even counting our microbiota. So it's a lot in contrast with other organisms that are made of maybe just a single cell. Like Bigelowilinitans. I have no idea if I said that right. A marine algae classified as Rhizaria. How many genes does this single-celled organism have? Remember, we had 30,000. Is classified as Rhizaria, is that a clue of some sort or just a little fun fact? Just a little fun fact if anybody wants to look it up. Am I allowed to look up Rhizaria? I mean, as long as you don't look up Rhizaria number of genes, I think you'll probably be safe. (laughs) I'll look it up. 30,000 genes. It's how many we have. But we are us. Big. Yes. (laughs) And it says it's a lot in contrast, so the other number must be smaller. Mm-hmm. How about one? Is you that think possible? That, you think, it has one? <laughs> think of just like the number of things you need to make. <laughs> I have to learn somehow, Sari, please. I don't know how they work. Maybe he just wants to get like the mm-hmm. low end and, and you're going to guess mm-hmm. too high. And it turns out. It's, That's right. Yeah. Hank's got it. Maybe. Hank knows game theory. It's more than one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. See, so if you had one gene, what would you make? Not, not, A protein. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, one. I'm sticking okay. with it. <laughs> he could win. I'm going to guess 600. Oh, Sari. Did Sam win? Yeah. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> but not just a Sam when he barely wins. It's 284. <laughs> so, so if you had said five, if you had said 580, it would have been you. So are people right now who know about genes going, wow, that's not very many genes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. Couldn't be me. So what I was basing it off of is I think I read about like a, an artificial cell that people made. And I think that had like 180 something mm-hmm. genes. And they were like, okay, this is like the minimal genome. So I was going a little bit more that's than that. That's great. But... Yeah. I mean, you could have said two and just screwed him right over. Yeah. I just didn't know how <laughs> genes worked. So I said one. <laughs> And I don't know how game theory works. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sam, you get to decide who goes first. I'm going to go first. Okay. Streptococcus is a nasty little group of bacteria that cause a wide variety of unpleasant conditions, from strep throat to toxic shock syndrome to a variety of infections and even a skin-eating diseases. Streptococcus can be treated with antibiotics, but it's developing a resistance to that like pretty rapidly, and there's no vaccine against it, and it's really good at dodging the immune system. And on top of all that, the reason that it's so good at dodging the immune system is kind of a mystery. But in 2019, scientists think they figured out a pretty large piece of that mystery, and it has to do with the cells in your blood. So red blood cells' primary job is helping move oxygen and carbon dioxide around your body, aka respiration, Uh, and you have a whole bunch of them. Just about half of your blood is red blood cells, I think, something like that. Also in your blood are white blood cells, which zip around looking for things that should not be there, like bacteria and viruses, and then they launch antibodies to kill those things. White blood cells and red blood cells are friends, and in normal circumstances, white blood cells will not attack red blood cells. Uh, But one of the things that streptococcus does during an infection is create proteins that rip red blood cells apart, which isn't good. 
But what the 2019 team discovered is that they also produce another compound called S-protein because it's only found in strep bacteria. And what S-protein seems to do is make strep bacteria stick to the cell membrane fragments of the red blood cells that it rips apart. So what the researchers proposed was that strep infections pretty much rip the skin off of red blood cells and then they glom onto it and wear the skin so that when their friends, the white blood cells, come by to see what's going on, it'll appear as though strep bacteria are just a bunch of red blood cells minding their own business, thus dodging immune responses. Oh, So they did cool. experiments using regular strep and strep engineered to not be able to make S-protein and they put it in mice. 90% of the mice infected with normal strep died and none of the mice infected with the strep lacking S-protein died. So it seems like they were probably pretty right. And this discovery could lead to a way to develop a vaccine or at least like drugs that can treat strep bacteria better because now we know what we're looking for. Bacteria wearing the skin of its murder victims, basically. Uh, I mean, good. I'm glad we figured it out. Bad. I'm, I'm sad they figured it out. They keep figuring things out. <laughs> well, what do you mean? Well, the bacteria. They keep figuring out ways oh. to evade us. Stop yeah. figuring things out. They've had a very big head start, I think. Well, right. not really. Like the, I suppose not. Just yeah, as the, long as we've been around. Just as long as bacteria, like antibacterial yeah. compounds have been around. But I tell you what, wearing the skin of your enemies, it's like you put on the guard's uniform, you know? Exactly. It's very clever. Yeah. I didn't know strep could do that many different things to you. I thought you just got strep throat from it. Oh, no. It can get a lot of things. It's like Luke and Han taking the stormtrooper's armor. And they're like, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? <laughs> then that's how you get them. Uh, yeah, exactly. That <laughs> metaphor bears out completely. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> uh, strep bacteria seem to wear the skin of fallen blood cells to sneak around in the body undetective. Jerks. Sari, what do you have for us? Okay. So the sheer variety of things that are called a cell is kind of mind-boggling sometimes, especially looking at the diversity of single-celled organisms like protozoa, which is a loose category of eukaryotes, which means they have nuclei with DNA inside them, that aren't animals, plants, or fungi. Within that taxon, but also in other branches because microscopic stuff gets weird, there's a phylum called ciliophora, which includes all of the ciliates, which are single-celled organisms that have little hair-like organelles called cilia that they use to move or eat or sense stuff. And one pretty abundant example of a ciliate is Oxytrica triphallax, which is also known as several other things because, like I said, the classification gets blurry. But studying these little guys no matter what they're called, who have been around for maybe 2 billion years, gets very weird. Most notably, instead of just one nucleus to hold its DNA, like all of our cells, ciliates have two different nuclei. There is a macronucleus, which has most of the genetic material and acts kind of like the nucleus in a somatic cell with all of the coding stuff the cell might need for regular survival. And then there's a micronucleus, which is much smaller and acts kind of like the nucleus in a sperm or an egg by keeping a record of the genes to be passed on during sexual reproduction. And when researchers sequenced the genome in O. triphallax, they also found that the macronucleus was packed full of DNA in a totally different arrangement than ours. We have 46 chromosomes, and each chromosome has hundreds of thousands of genes on it. Uh, like Why are you, you laughing, Sarah? Are you laughing because of my guess of one gene? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and just like how neatly this ties into this episode. Um, 
and is going to complicate your understanding of genetics because this ciliate has around 16,000 nanochromosomes packed inside its macronucleus, and most of them contain only one gene. So each of these chromosomes, (laughs) one gene, one chromosome, easy peas. It's just all fragmented and floating around in there and somehow stays organized enough that the cell can find and use what it needs. But that's not even the weirdest part about their genetics. In many cases, O. triphalax reproduce asexually, creating offspring clones to increase their population numbers. But when two of these protozoa have sex, it's not to produce a child. It's to do the most intense version of like an internal spring cleaning and detox, which is reconfiguring its whole genome. So the two mating cells glom together and then share a copy of their micronuclear DNA, which is around 100 chromosomes, at which point they trash their old macronuclei because they don't need it anymore. And if I understand this process correctly, one cell takes two micronuclei, one from it and one from its partner, and break it all down into around 250,000 smaller chunks of DNA that then get sorted into two buckets. The good stuff is macronuclear destined sequences, which is like 5% of the chunks, but the rest is internally eliminated sequences and transposons, which are effectively garbage. So around 95% of both micronuclei just get trashed. And then, just using that 5%, somehow one cell just amplifies certain parts, rearranges the encrypted nucleotides, and creates a working macronucleus that are a mix of new and old genes. And then they just go about their life. And in a 2014 paper, the authors wrote that this is, quote, arguably the most complex genome architecture of any known eukaryote. And it's frankly just bonkers that all this is happening inside Mm -hmm. one single cell, and we don't understand why or how. It's just this weird mystery of evolution. And if it works for them, why don't we do it that way? Why don't we just trash all our DNA when we reproduce? (laughs) Also, when we reproduce, why don't we just sort of like rub up against each other and then walk away with a different genome? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just become a completely different person biochemically when you have sex. (laughs) Every time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also you get to trash all that bad stuff. Yeah. Get rid of the old you, bring in a new you that's half someone else. (laughs) (laughs) And then you make clones of yourself. And you're like, okay, those children are okay, but I think I want to switch it up again. I want to be a new me, a new new me. I mean, wouldn't it be weird? Look, it's possible. Everything's possible. (laughs) So there could be a world in which that actually is the case. And we get to be different people with different DNA. Wouldn't that clear up a lot of stuff if you could be a different, like actually be a different person genetically a couple times throughout your life? Yes, I think it would be very interesting to see that sci-fi book and also like the systems that people would like force each other to be other other oh. people at some point mm. or like hold on to their DNA to be like, right. no one can be like me. Yeah, I mean, would it be like, would, there be, would it be like kind of a un- unnecessary part of the life cycle or would it be something that you're compelled to do or something that you want to do and people who don't do it are weird or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, write a book, Hank. Well, I mean, <laughs> it turns out that part's the easy part. <laughs> then you got to have a bunch of characters that care about each other and that are interesting and that the audience likes write some fanfic write some oh we got i got them that's how waluigi happened (laughs) yes yeah wario bumped into luigi and then just like (laughs) (laughs) hey waluigi (laughs) anyway our two fact off facts now we've got a single-celled organism with two, well, I mean, all of these ciliates have distinct nuclei and uh, they reproduce asexually, but they reconfigure their genomes during this sexual process and do, do the, it's just a, a weird and wild and wonderful, but difficult to explain thing. Or 
I don't know, wearing your fallen foe's skin in order to evade detection. Ah, that's got to win. That's got to win. <laughs> Sam's is the simpler to, to grasp. Yeah. It's easier to the story to tell. TikToks can't be as long as you'd need for viewers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations, Sam. I feel like that's three episodes in a row for you. I believe it is. Oh, oh. Sarah, you got to stop cooperating so much. Yeah. You know, tis the season to. Right. And now you don't have to give Sam a birthday present because you told him all about <laughs> sperm and eggs. <laughs> this is your Christmas present, Sam. One, well, one, Sasha Tangents win. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> and that means it is time to ask the science couch where we've got listener questions for our couch of finely honed scientific minds. Scythe on Discord asks. Can cells move on their own? Um, yes and no. There are certain cells that can't, but almost all can. I guess within the human body, there are some that can and some that can't. But certainly, like all ciliates can move around. That's They got cilia. That's what they're for. But I yeah. guess a lot of the ones in the body are locked in place once mm-hmm. they are mature. It's kind of. I think your cells move around more than you'd expect. Well, everything moves, Sari. The earth is yeah. spinning. <laughs> <laughs> they move when I go to the grocery store. They yeah. walk to the grocery store. <laughs> when you open the can, when you write, type your little fan fiction, your cells are moving around. <laughs> <laughs> type your little Waluigi, Waluigi conjugation fan fiction. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Um. So there's like the category of cells that propel themselves, whether it's through cilia or like sperm um, or certain bacteria have flagella, which are appendages that look kind of like a tail and they move with chemical stimuli Mm. and they kind of like swirl around. That's the really long part of the fruit fly uh, sperm. But if we're talking about within a body, then I'm pretty sure... Most cells have this ability because of the cytoskeleton, which is basically a bunch of interlocking proteins okay. in every single animal, plant, or fungal cell. So like eukaryotic. And all cells can kind of crawl or scooch yeah. when they need okay. to. What the heck? Kind of like um, a lot of the cells that need to move are like immune responses. So like getting closer towards microorganisms or like navigating around wounds Physically wound healing, like fibroblasts or other connective tissue stuff, reconnecting and remodeling. But then if any cell metastasizes, so like becomes cancerous, it's moving around oh, the body. Sure, so yeah. like no matter where where that originated, if, if a cancer is metastatic, then one of the cells that was cancerous moves in some way. And the way they do this is with uh, different protein filaments. And the big one is actin, which you might have heard of in muscle fibers. So mm-hmm. like actin and myosin work together in muscles to help muscles contract and expand. But actin is much, much more prevalent across all the other cells in your body. And they can polymerize and grow longer really fast and also depolymerize and grow shorter really fast. And so basically, when a cell scooches along, it like protrudes the leading edge and then disappears the back edge, like deprotrudes the back edge and then scoots itself forward, like contracts a little bit. So 
you can kind of imagine like a dog scooting around on its butt. I couldn't think of a better <laughs> metaphor for this, but like it moves its paws forward and then moves uh-huh. its butt forward and then moves its paws forward and moves its butt forward. Okay. I like um, that. And that's how all cells kind of scooch. And, and there are like other proteins and stuff involved in the cytoskeleton like that, that interact and different cells move in slightly different ways. And then there are also stuff in the extracellular matrix, which is the stuff outside the cell. And there are proteins on the cell surface that like help them stick to other surfaces to like helps grab them along in the way that like you couldn't just push off of nothing. A dog can't scoot on in air and needs a little, little floor to put its paws on <laughs> to rub its butt on the ground. I was thinking like, you know, epithelial cells, once they get mature, they're pretty locked in place. And then red blood cells can't move because they, they don't have much going on. They're just little mm-hmm. sacks full of hemoglobin. But, and so are sort of planktonic where they just go where the, where the fluid goes. But I guess, yeah, I think, and I think during different times in formation, like the cells got to get to where they need to be. And when they are maturing, like when a, a bone cell is maturing, you know, they're headed out, they go to a place They're Yeah. They move around. We are uh, creepy little highways of cells that are constantly deciding not to kill us. It's great. Yeah. And even your epithelial cells, to some extent, like as you shed old ones, the new ones need to migrate up, up toward the surface. Yeah. They don't scooch as, as wildly as yeah. some other ones, but they still, they still slot in. And yeah. Just getting shoved in. from the back, you know? Kind of yeah. a conveyor belt action. Which is but, also weird to think about that we're constantly like losing parts of ourselves and everything's like yes. kind of held together by bonds, but like we're chill. really just kind of floating in space. Chill, chill bonds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to ask your question to the science couch, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShow Tangents, where we will tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Or you can also join the SciShow Tangents Patreon and ask us questions on our Discord. Thank you to at Rachel MyCR, at Michaela Noel, and everybody else who asked us your questions for this episode. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's really easy to do that. First, you can go to patreon.com slash SciShow Tangents and become a patron. You can get access to things like our newsletter and our bonus episodes and our Cars 2 commentary, which is coming soon because we now have over 500 patrons. Guess what else, though? What What else? What else? This one's Patreon bonus episode uh-huh. had a little special guest on it. One Stefan Chin. Oh, does it? Have we done yeah. that yet? We haven't done that yet. Okay, good. <laughs> you aren't I, forgetting. Good. <laughs> worried about myself. Okay. Second, you can leave us a review wherever you listen. That helps us know what you like about the show and also helps other people know what you like about the show. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell, tell people, people about, about us. us. Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who edits a lot of these episodes, along with Hiroko Matsushima. Our social media organizer is Paolo Garcia Prieto. Our editorial assistants are Devoki Chakravarti, Emma Douster, and Alex Billow. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish, and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you, and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. Many human cells are spherical, but these spheres can morph into other shapes when something goes wrong. For example, some diseases, such as the cancer follicular lymphoma, can lead to cells that have a groove in the middle, dividing the nucleus into two main lobes. For better or for worse, even in scientific literature, these cells are called 
buttock cells. Ah. <laughs> cancer butt. <laughs> I know it's I want to laugh, but it's so sad. It's like these very serious cancer researchers being like these so-called buttock cells proliferate. Yeah. And you're having that conversation. You're like, so this is what we call them. We're not making light of your disease, but they look like butts. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't like they didn't name themselves. We could name them something else if we wanted. But they to. look like butts. <laughs> 